0: Hey, everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Daniel chapter three, and I want to tell a little story. First of all, it comes from Jack Handy. He has a book out called Fuzzy Memories. I love the title of that book. And he tells a story about a bully when he was growing up who always demanded his lunch money. And because Jack was so much smaller, he would just willingly hand it over. But over time, you can begin to imagine, you're getting hungry, I want to eat. I'm tired of this bully taking my money. So he decided, I'm gonna take karate lessons. I'm going to learn how to fight back. But after a few lessons, the trainer came up and said, oh, by the way, each lesson's $5. And Jack thought about that for a moment and thought, my goodness gracious, that's a lot of money. So he decided it was just a lot easier just to give the bully his lunch money. And so he gave up karate. And I stopped and think about that, and I think that's in the church today. I think it's a great description of the American church. God's people find it a whole lot easier just to pay the bully, just to pay Satan and let him wreak havoc on their friends, on their neighbors, on their coworkers, than learn how to fight and learn how to stand up for God. Because I see it happening all the time. People who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and yet they do nothing to fight the enemy they let satan just have at it a lot of times they'll sit around and complain but they're not willing to get into the game and there's something wrong with that and so we're going to talk about what does it mean when you're in the fire and how do you be in the fire because many of you know the story of shadrach meshach and abednego I love this story. Daniel chapter 3. But let me take you on a little, uh, a little moment of memory lane for some of you. In 1984, there was a movie that came out that was Beverly Hills Cop. Anybody remember that starring Eddie Murphy? Come on, put your hand up if you remember that movie. I love stupid humor. And so I remember watching Beverly Hills Cop. I love those movies. They're just crazy. They're stupid. They're not real. But it's a joy to just lose my mind in laughter. But I want you to listen very carefully it had a theme song. A theme song that was, was written by a man by Harold Faltemeyer was his name. And he had a co-writer with him and they wrote this song and they sent it out to a, to a man that you'd all be familiar with, the Eagles legend, Glenn Frey. Now Glenn had seen the movie at a previous screening. And so they sent him the song and said, would you be willing to record it? Now, if you know the history of the Eagles for all you trivia people, They were having a little issue, and the band had pretty much broken up. Glenn Frey's on his own, and so he willingly said, I would be happy to record that song. He did it in one day, all the lead vocals, and the next day he recorded all the background vocals and also the guitar. And they paid him, 1984, one lump fund uh, uh, amount, $15,000. Now you stop and think about it. In that day and age, that might seem a lot to us. That's peanuts. And yet Glenn got no royalties on the song either. It was a flat check. Now, let me help you with the song, because a lot of people don't realize this. The song became a major hit, reaching number two on the billboard charts, right behind Ario Speedwagons' Can't Fight the Feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Do you all remember the song? What's the theme song for Beverly Hills Cop? Anybody remember it? The heat is on. Anyway, I, I lose myself in it. I'm sorry. It's, I was at the gym the other day and they played that song. I mean, I'm telling you, you it, it'll take you to another level. But what Glenn Fry didn't know and what they didn't realize is what the song would do. I already told you it reached number two on the billboard charts, but here's what most people don't realize. The Heat Is On is the highest charting single by any member of the Eagles in any of their songs. $15,000. No royalties. Glenn Frey missed it on that one. But it's the lyrics I don't want you to miss. Listen to what it says. The Heat Is On. It's on the street inside your head on every beat and the beat's so loud deep inside the pressure's high just to stay alive because the heat is on. Tell me, can you feel it? Okay, I'm about to do something that's gonna really throw you off. Can you feel it? Hell yes. (laughs) Now before some of you pick up and go, I can't believe my pastor just cussed. I'm going to go to another church. Isn't that interesting? You're more upset that your pastor said the word hell, with which I did not cuss, and I'm going to show you that in a minute, than you are about people dying going to hell. Do you see a problem with this? Yeah. But I didn't cuss. I'll say it again. Hell, yes, H-E-L-L is all around us. That's right. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Hell is everywhere. Can I help you with this right now in this country? Every 49 seconds in this country, a robbery happens. Every 49 seconds, every 29 seconds, a violent crime occurs. Every 20 seconds, a person is arrested for a drug violation. Every two seconds in this country, someone is sexually assaulted. Every 18 minutes, a baby dies before its its first birthday. Every 30 minutes... 29 kids will attempt suicide, 59 kids will run away, and 14 girls will give birth. Teenage girls. Every day in America, Americans will snort a bathtub of cocaine. That's 325 pounds every day. And we will consume 15.7 million gallons of beer. By the way, if you don't know how much that is every day in America, that's enough beer cans to fill New York Stadium 30 feet deep every day. The heat is on. The heat is on. And I'll say what I've always said to you. Somewhere it's time for the church to wake up and quit thinking that somehow politics is going to change this world. The White House won't change this world. Your house is the key to changing this world. But it's so much easier to sit nominal and just let the enemy just pay him to go ahead and wreak havoc than learn how to fight. It's time for us to get up and fight because we serve the victorious God, people. We serve it. So if you got your Bibles, Daniel chapter 3. And I want to say, up until this point, Nebuchadnezzar hasn't changed. So far in his story, Nebuchadnezzar hasn't changed his heart. He's singing the praises of Daniel's God, but he hasn't made it personal. And I don't want you to miss this, because until it becomes personal in your life, you're no different than Nebuchadnezzar. It's got to become personal. I say it all the time, it's either Yahweh or your way. And it's time for us to realize you can't have it both ways. And to realize God's way is always better than our way. Amen to that? So Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to begin in the very first verse. Here's what it says. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura on the providence of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officials, the eye officers, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald was shouted out, People of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, every other musical instrument, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. This is an amazing moment. I want to highlight a few things before we continue to read on. I think it's very important you catch this. Three things that are just as true as they were back then, they are today. And I don't want you to miss it. Here's the first one. The world is full of larger-than-life images asking for me to worship it. The world is full of larger-than-life images asking for me to worship. We're bombarded with them every day. They may not be 90 feet tall. They may not be made of gold. But they do exist. Athletes, actors, rock stars, pastors, even pastors, I know people, even in this congregation, that are more interested in another pastor who's well-known what he says or what she says rather than what the Word of God says. They're making another person a God. Wealth, success, pleasure, fame, cars, careers, even our kids have been made to be larger-than-life idols ready for us to worship. Here's number two. I am tempted as well to create a false image of myself to impress others. Church, we're no different than Nebuchadnezzar sometimes because if we're not totally surrendered to God, then we're gonna try to make ourselves a God. You cut it any way you want. You just look at our world today. You check social media. Have you ever seen a picture of someone that they're trying to promote of who they are and they don't look anything like that picture? Have you ever noticed the things that people say, what they promote? It's all about image, isn't it? And if I'm not really, really looking to Jesus, it's going to be very tempted for me to make myself my own God. It happens all the time. Let me just say this. Anytime our reputation becomes more important than God's transformation, you're making a God of yourself. Anytime your reputation is more important than God's transformation, you're making a God of yourself. Here's number three. However I choose, if I choose to reject the world's idols, if I choose to reject the world's idols, I'm going to face the heat. And this is important, you catch this. If I say I'm going to trust God's word, I'm not going to live like the world, you're going to face the heat. You're going to face it. And so I want us to look, if you will, at Daniel chapter 3. We're going to walk through this. And we're going to walk through it rather quickly in a lot of ways. A lot of ground to cover. But boy, my goodness, this is good stuff. This is great stuff. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decide we're not, going to, we're not going to bow down. And they're going to face the heat. They're going to face heat. So if you look at verse 13, look what it says. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. See, they were squealed on. Someone said, Listen, they're not bowing down. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, You'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from that? What God will have the power to rescue you from this? If you've got your notes, I want you to take them out. And I want to quickly give you, if you will, what should you do when the heat is on? And then we're going to talk real quickly about when the heat is on, when you're in the fire. What is God doing? But here's first of all, what should you and I do when we have to face the heat? Well, we need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's the first one. Write it in. Quietly trust God. Say that with me. Quietly trust God. I read a story about a gas company that phoned the owner of a brand new home, and they made an appointment and said, we need to come in now, and we need to light the gas pilot, and then we need to adjust your thermostat. The owner said, well, I probably need to meet you there and show you where the thermostat is. There's a little pause on the phone, and the guy was like, you got to be kidding me. We're the gas company. We do this all the time. We're trained professionals. We'll take care of it. You don't need to show up. He said, no, no, you don't understand. I need to be there. You have no idea where the thermostat is. He says, sir, we do this all the time. little agitated. He said, you don't need to show up. He says, sir, you don't understand. The thermostat in the hall, it's a fake. It's for my wife to play with. Only I know where the real one is. And all God's men said, amen. I'm telling you, sleeping with my wife is like sleeping with a butterball turkey. I'm telling you. It's just like, my heat's up, she's down. I mean, it's crazy. But I want you to listen to Warren Wiersbe says, because don't miss it. He says, when God permits his children to go through a furnace, he always keeps his hand on the thermostat because only God knows where the real one is. See, that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood. We don't understand maybe what's going on, but we're gonna quietly trust God. Amen, church? The Bible says in 1 Peter, quietly trust yourself to Christ your Lord, and if anyone asks why you believe as you do, be ready to tell them, and do it in a gentle and respectful way. That's why I love the words quietly trust. Listen, church, I want every one of you to follow Jesus. I don't have to demand that. I'll beg you, I'll plead. I'm going to do everything I can to preach to you. See, I know who my Lord is. And I want you to meet him because he's amazing. And he's really what you're looking for. He's everything you need. Here's number two. When you're in the heat, Believe that God has the power to save. You've got to believe that God has the power to save. Verse 17 says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we worship is able to save us. Go ahead, Nebuchadnezzar. You throw us in. Our God will save us. In 1859, Charles Blondin, this means nothing probably to you, only the story when you see it played out. He was a famous tightrope walker. So he suspended a wire across Niagara Falls and then he proceeded to walk across it pushing a wheelbarrow. When he reached the other side, he stepped off the wire to the applause of a crowd. It was then that Charles walked up to a man and says, do you believe? And the man said, yeah, I believe. He says, then get in. (laughs) And needless to say, the man didn't. But I think that's the problem in the church today. There's way too many talkers, not enough walkers. We need more Christians have a wheelbarrow faith. You just get into the wheelbarrow because God's pushing. God's got it. It may look unstable. Oh, my goodness. But with God, we're stable. Amen. We're stable. Carrie Job is a worship leader. 2014 released a song that we've sang here many, many times. It's based out of Isaiah 43. It's almost to the word of what the prophet wrote. Here's the words. When I walk through deep waters, I know that you are with me. When I'm standing in the fire, I will not be overcome. Through the valley of the shadow, I will not fear, for I'm not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. That's why we need to believe We need that kind of faith. Here's number three. So we can stand tall no matter what. Say that with me. Stand tall no matter what. Look at verse 18. But even if he doesn't. You go ahead, Nebuchadnezzar, throw us into the fire. Our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, this isn't a moment of doubt. You need to understand this is a moment of faith. You see, faith is not just the conviction that God is able to save but it's also the affirmation that whether or not I'm gonna trust him no matter what. You'd stop and go, that doesn't make sense. Oh, it makes all the sense in the world of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You throw us in the fire, and we die in the fire, we're home with the Father, we win. You throw us in the fire, we step out of the fire, Nebuchadnezzar wets his pants. This is a good day. (laughs) We stand tall. We stand tall. Look at verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Isn't that interesting? He's so mad that his face is just like ugly. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times more hotter than usual. I want to note this here because I think it's important to note. Why was the king so mad? Why was it so important for God to make sure that we have this in this story? And this may be the most important thing that I say in this whole message, and this will help you. Here's why he was so mad. Because the more extreme a person is, the more insecure they actually are. When you have to try to demand Your way, you're not confident in your way. My dad used to say this when I used to preach early on. He said, I always knew when you didn't prepare well. I said, why? How how, how would that be, Dad? He says, because you get louder. That's what he would say to me. It's almost like you're trying to convince yourself that what you're saying is true. Isn't that an interesting statement? People, watch this, people who are secure in what they believe are never insecure about what you believe. That's why I love lifting up the name of Jesus. I find it interesting that people come up and say, there's no God. They always say it like that. There's no God. I'm like, wow, if there's no God, why are you so bothered by it? Because they're not okay with what they believe. If you met a true atheist, you would know he was an atheist or she was an atheist. You know why? They wouldn't talk about it because they don't believe it, so why would it be a big deal? You follow what I'm saying? I find it interesting that, that the Bible's just written by a bunch of men and it's, it's a fake book, but we have to take it out of schools. We have to try to downplay it every way we can. It's because it's such a threat. See, I like being on a team that seems to throw everybody else's team off. There's just something about it. Because when people are really confident in what they believe, they're not really too worried about what you believe. But I like the fact that what my beliefs do, they seem to just kind of mess people up. That's because God is real. This is the word of God. And Jesus Christ is Savior. And he is Lord. And no other religion can boast that. That's why I preach Jesus. So when you go through the fire, what is God doing? These are important lessons, and I don't want you to miss them because you're gonna go through fire. That's number one, I want you to write that down because I have to say it every time. You will go through fire, you will face the heat. Say that with me, you will face the heat. Own it, make it personal. I will face the heat, say that. I will face the heat. You're gonna go through fire. You're gonna go through adversities. There's gonna be times of testing. In a story by Harold Kushner in his book, when bad things happen to good people, He recounts a story of R.C. Sproul, Pastor Sproul. And I love this story because I've heard so many people in the church walk up and say to me, Pastor, why do bad things happen to God's people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Someone once asked Pastor Sproul that. Why do bad things happen to good people? Listen to what he said in reply. I haven't met any good people, so I don't know. Do you realize how arrogant it is? For you and I, when we go through struggles, well, if you're such a good God, well, where's God in all this? Do you know how arrogant that is? When's the last time you stood and looked up at the cross and went, why did that happen to God's son? And the answer's real simple. There's nothing good in me. There's nothing good in Keith Loy. If there's any good in me, it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why do bad things happen? Because we live in a very broken, ugly world. But this isn't home. And one day, God's going to fulfill his promise. No more sorrow, no more pain. We're going to be in the fullness of God. I'm not living for planet Earth. I'm living for a kingdom that is yet to come, that I'm going to be home in. Amen? But that kingdom can happen now, people. That kingdom can happen now. We need to live as kingdom people today. Amen to that? We need to live that out. So you're going to go through struggles. You just need to know that. But I already told you, I'm not alone. Remember what David wrote? Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, when I walk through it, I will not fear, for thou art with me. By the way, that's why we have life groups. It's the power of community. If you feel alone, you need to get in a life group. Because that's the beauty in the church. No one's ever alone. So I want you to look now, verse 24, 25. This is very important. Look what it says. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement, explained to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men? Would you circle those words tie up in your Bible? Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar says, I see four unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like God. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to verse 20, and I want to have you circle a few things. Notice in verse 20, then they ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Would you circle the word bind? Go to verse 21. So they tied them up. Would you circle those three words? And then you want to skip down to verse 23. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames. I want you to circle those words. It's very important you catch this because I don't want you to miss it. You're going to go through fire and when you're going through the fire, we talked about what you need to do, but you need to know what God's doing. There's a reason why we go through fires and here's the second thing you need to write down. God will burn away what's been tying you up. God will burn away what's been tying you up. It happens in the fire, not outside the fire. And there are some things you've been holding on to, and God's trying to untie them. He's trying to burn away those knots. And so I want to ask you, what's got you tied up? What keeps holding you back? What's limiting you that you're so afraid to step out and just trust God? God's trying to burn those ties away. It happens in the fire. It happens in the fire. Someone sent me a prayer this week, and I want to read it to you. Here's what it says. Dear God, please untie the knots that are in my heart and my life. Remove the have-nots, the can-nots, and the do-nots. Erase the will-nots, the may-nots, the might-nots that find their home in my heart. Release me from the could-nots, the the would-nots, and the should-nots that obstruct my life. And most of all, I ask that you remove the am-nots that I've allowed to hold me back. God's trying to burn away those things. And here's why, number three, fire brings about a new freedom. Say that with me. Fire brings about a new freedom. Remember, they were bound going into the fire. But you remember what Nebuchadnezzar said? Did we not... Put three in, I see four, and they're unbound now. It happens in the fire. E. Stanley Jones says it this way God will not let you go in where he cannot come out. I love those words. By the way, don't you love the fact these guys were unshakable, but they were also unbakeable? Isn't that just awesome? Isn't that just awesome? Look at verses 26 and 27. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, the officials, the governors, they crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothes were not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. This is a beautiful thing. Talk about new freedom. But here's number four, and I want to invite the team to stage. Godfires. Godfires always inspire. Godfires always inspire. Pressure is a priceless treasure in the hands of God. And some fires are worth going through. Folks, listen to this. One of God's greatest testimonies is what he can do in the fire, what he can do in your life. How you go in, how you go through, and how you come out speaks volumes to the world of who God is. Listen to how this story ends. Then Nebuchadnezzar, remember the pagan king, said praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I will make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb to limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like that. The power of what God can do in the deepest of flames in your life. And how often do I hear Christians when something bad happens, they kind of push back, they retreat, they crawl into their own world. They'd rather live in grief the rest of their life rather than step out and walk in the victory of God no matter how deep the pain is. Church, I had a, still have a cousin. His name's Byron, high school senior. He's an incredible football player in the state of Michigan. Coming home from a church event, fell asleep at the wheel of his car. The car rolled and he broke his neck. His entire world was turned upside down. Byron will tell you before the paramedics got there he knew something was wrong because he couldn't lift his head and he knew it. And he knew, I will never be the same. (laughs) And he will tell you, no kidding, with a sense of joy in his heart. He said, well, God, I got to see what you would do with my healthy body. Now I'm going to get to see what you do with this broken one. That was his senior year, right after football, right before Christmas. That was in 1983. I'll never forget it. Byron's a year younger than I am. He graduated with his class while he was out in Colorado rehabilitating. He came out, went to graduation, went on to college, got into counseling, and then got his master's, and today he's in St. Louis, and he's a counselor. He had his wheelchair made in such a way that no one would know that he has any paralysis. He sits behind his desk. His secretary tells the People that come on in, they sit in chairs, and he'll sit there and listen to him for quite some time, and then he'll roll out from behind the desk and goes, okay, so what is your problem again? What do you really have to complain about? And he'll tell him about Jesus. He was asked one time, do you miss walking? And he said, you don't understand. He said, that's the wrong question. If you're asking me, do I miss walking this side of heaven? That's a reality, but I will walk again. Because one day I get to walk the streets of gold. This is only temporary. And whatever God needs, then so God be it. I will use my life for the glory of God. I had to, it's story after story, people, I could tell you. You got to decide who's in the flames with you. You got to believe that God's bigger. And I don't care how hot those flames get, I'll guarantee you, he has more water than you do. Right. He loves you. He cares about you. And God cares about lost, broken people. And that means whatever it takes in our lives to reach others, then so be it. Last week, Reed did an incredible job with the message about that God's possible. I'm possible. That's what God says I'm possible. Remember the story about Daniel? And remember I told you, and he shared it with you, that Daniel understood that Daniel's not living just for himself. He's not just living for God. Daniel wants Nebuchadnezzar to know God. And so whatever God needs, whatever God asks of us, then so be it. It's only temporary. One day we'll be on the other side. But right now there's work to be done, church. And it's time for our lives to wake up and matter. It's time for us to learn to fight and fight God's way and get into the game, get into the battle and start watching what God can do, amen? So I'm going to pray for you. The team's going to sing in a moment. There'll be people up around the stage that want to pray with you. Don't sit alone. I want to be a church that starts understanding the power of coming to the altar, letting others pray with you, to pray for you. Maybe you need to come and meet Jesus because he changes everything. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the story of these three. Understanding that we're going to face the heat, but we're going to trust you. We're going to believe. And no matter what, we're going to hold on to Almighty God. We'll stand tall. But God, there's some things in our lives that you're doing right now that you want to burn away in our lives. We're going to go through the heat, but you want to untie us you don't want us to be bound by things of the world. It's time for us to come alive and be your people. Maybe there's someone here that needs to meet you. Maybe that's what's been holding. It's time for them to surrender. So God, I pray that people would come as the team sings. You're so good. You're an amazing God. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.